Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast and Postgame Show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm going to be your host for today's show, Nicholas Moriano, and I'm joined by my co-host, who's going to be here for the entirety of the rest of the season as we do our audio mailbag. And this is our first one. But Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, doing well. Uh, good solid day of work, just uh, ready to get to these audio mailbag questions, I guess. I know, it's it's been a while since it's, we've done them, and I'm glad that we brought this back, and it seems like fans are excited about it. Yeah, I agree. It was in the, the live chat for the, the Meet the Seahawks uh, show last night. And a lot of people were asking a lot of questions about it, so the interest is definitely there. Yeah, so I'm excited, and we got a lot of good questions. So we're just going to go ahead and get this started. So our first question comes from our good friend Joey, and he has a two-parter. So here's his question. Hey, Nick and Brandon. It's Joey. I actually have two questions for you guys. My first question is, why do you think Trey Burton had such little production on Sunday night? And my second question is, do you think if Matt Nagy allowed Trubisky to get those extra um, preseason snaps, for instance, the Kansas City Chiefs game we had, do you think that would have helped or hurt Trubisky in week one? I mean, it probably would have helped him, but do you, how, much, um, how much of an extent would it have helped him? Thank you, guys. Great questions there, Joey. And we're going to answer that first one about Trey Burden. And, you know, right before we went live with this podcast, Brandon and I were kind of questioning why didn't Trey Burden have a better day? And we just kind of looked at each other. We really didn't know why because it was set up for Trey Burden to have a big night with the Packers inside linebackers being depleted due to injury. You know, Matt Nagy having this offense that likes to utilize their tight ends. And it just didn't come out. It was, he, I think he had one catch on the day, but. We we looked at the the final stat line. He had six targets, which was really surprising because after that first, I think it was 15-yard catch on the sideline in that first quarter, you didn't really hear much of Trey Burton. But, Brandon, do you have any better explanation as to where Trey Burton went on Sunday night? Yeah, when we were trying to figure out where a lot of his receptions were, I think four of the six targets came in the second half when the Packers switched from man to zone. And that was something that Matt Nagy, I guess, hadn't really prepared for much. Because uh, the offense kind of went stagnant, went conservative, or just kind of run the ball out. You know, essentially, quote unquote, trying not to lose. I guess is the way I'm going to put it. Uh, but also, too, throughout the entirety of the game, I mean, I think the Packers play a lot more nickel and dime packages uh, to keep, I guess, their weakest part off the field, and knowing that Nagy was going to go spread at least. So I think those are two factors that really played into it to keep their their weakest links off the field. 
Yeah, no, that I mean, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, Mitch Trubisky actually admitted to it in his press conference, uh, that Sunday press conference. Like, he wasn't expecting as much uh, zone as, you know, the Packers did play uh, on Sunday night. But we were, again, before we went live, we were talking about it. How does Matt Nagy not have a game plan to counteract a zone? I mean, it's just, it's man or zone. I, I don't know how you don't have a, something to counter that. So we were surprised that, you know, that there wasn't something to combat that zone. And that's maybe why Trey Burton didn't get the ball as much. And you know something else, too, just to, while I was thinking about it, uh, coming to game planning, we heard a lot about the defense and Vic Fangio. Uh, we've heard about Matt Nagy, but I haven't heard Mark Helfrich's name much in any of the criticisms. So I guess I kind of want to know where he's at in the game planning of things. I would think that there has to be at least some sort of, you know, they're going to make it, I would think anyway, I'm not a coach, uh, but I would think that there would be at least 15 plays where, you know, in case they switch to this, this is what we play, or that's how the spreadsheet is. But like I said, I'm not a coach. I don't know exactly how much goes into it, what exactly their thought process is, but just something that I would think is that, oh, if they switch to his own, I want at least 15 plays just to kind of see what works and what doesn't work. No, I mean, yeah, I get that. And, you know, speaking of Mark Helfrich, I would expect to see a little bit more RPOs than we did. I think that second half, uh, really, hopefully that's not what we see moving forward because I, obviously the Bears got away from what put them in a position to win in that first half, especially that first drive. But to answer your second part of your question, Joey, um, you know, Matt Nagy allowed Trubisky to get those extra reps in the preseason. I don't think it really plays that much of a difference. It's 25-30 snap. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it against you know the Chiefs in that that preseason game that third one maybe it's a defense that's not even showing you the looks that you're actually going to see during the regular season just vanilla kind of offense and defense so when it comes to the Sunday night game I don't think it really makes a difference you know that offense Matt Nagy's going to put in plays that Trubisky is comfortable with and regardless if he had those 25 snaps that probably you're not really going to see much of in the regular season I don't think that really translates to a win or a better game out of Trubisky come Sunday night. Mitch, uh, Matt Nagy put Trubisky in what he thought was the best position, position to succeed, but those 25-30 snaps I don't think helps him you know, any more than it did. What about you, Brandon? Yeah, I don't think that that many makes a big difference. I think it would have slightly helped just because when you look at Trubisky's track record since he left Mentor, Ohio, He's played in 26 or 27 games like as a starting quarterback. It's not very many, really, when you think about it. Actually, look at some of the other guys out of his class. Deshaun Watson was a starter for two or three years there at Clemson, so he had, he already has an edge there. He's played more games, and I think that's kind of what Trubisky really needed. I'm not sure that 25, 30 snaps is really a, a huge difference in the grand scheme of things, uh, but I would have liked to seen him out there a little bit more as it might have helped ease some of the pressure in a new playbook, but it's not like it was ultimately detrimental because – still able to put up a decent amount of points in the offense moved in the first half. It was just sort of a failure to adjust in the second half is I think what it came down to on the offense. Yeah, that was a big thing. I think, you know, had maybe that game and uh, good. I mean, the, the offense wouldn't have played in the second half anyway, that probably that third preseason game. So that's where the bears really need to adjust in that second half. So I don't really think it makes a big difference, but 
I guess we'll just have to wait and see as this season plays out. But yeah, 25, 30 snaps, not a big deal. So we'll move on to our second question. And it comes from Jay. Jay also has a two, two-parter. Here you go, Jay. Hey, Bears Bros. It's Jay here. I actually have a two-parter question about the defense, if you guys don't mind. Well, since all this hype kind of started about Khalil Mack and what would originally start with Roquan Smith, but one person that I think is really under the radar is Roy Robertson Harris. What are realistic expectations for him? And, well, my second question is also, how is Marcus Cooper on the 53-man roster, but Craig Long LeBlanc isn't? Like, is it because Cooper has more veteran experience, or what really gives Cooper the edge, even though he gets burned, like, every place? But anyways, bear down, guys. Great questions there, Jay. And we're also going to add in our moderator, Tristan, who also asked about Roy Robinson-Harris, which you alluded to in your first question. Hey, guys, it's Tristan Escobillo, your friendly neighborhood moderator. Anyway, I have one question for you guys. Uh, so, Roy Robinson-Harris, I thought that he had probably one of his best games of his entire career on Sunday. Uh, not only did he get that sack, um, but then also his, you know, his what would have been a second sack where he just bull rushed right through on that on that screen play. Um, obviously, uh, you know the QB had to throw it away, and then that's what led to Max um, getting a pick six. So um, he was really effective throughout the entire game. So um, if he could continue to be on that path, how much would that improve our defensive line? Thanks, guys. Roy Robinson Harris, I, I wouldn't even call him an underrated guy per se, um, because again, he's been on this this defense now going into what maybe his third year. And but what are realistic expectations for him? You know, he showed out on Sunday night and he made some pretty big plays. And you know, I honestly I was not expecting that from Roy Robinson Harris because we thought that John Bullard was the guy who had the starting job. And I really didn't see much of him out on Sunday night. But realistic expectations for Roy Robinson Harris to, you know, be that rotational guy, to be the guy that once Akeem Hicks getting double team, Cleo Maxine double team, he's the guy that maybe can win that one on one matchup. But you don't expect a guy like Roy Robinson Harris to win it every time, but you do want to see him produce. We've seen it all throughout preseasons of, you know, this year and years past but he needs to be able to produce in the regular season. So that's what I think realistic expectation for him to be, just to be a guy that can be somewhat consistent throughout the regular season. What do you think, Brandon? I think he is an underrated guy, especially when you look at who he's playing with on the defensive line, Eddie Goldman and Keem Hicks. I think teams would kind of look at Ray Robertson Harrison and kind of go, yeah, I guess we'll put more, more effort on Eddie Goldman and Keem Hicks because they've been more productive for a longer period of time. Uh, and I think that, you know, like you said, you expected John Bullard to be, uh, the starter there opposite of Akeem Hicks. So I think that, you know, you said you don't think he's an underrated guy, but I think you do a little bit just because you had John Bullard over him. So uh, I think that there's more people that give him the underrated value uh, than I think should. And I think he really needs to be recognized uh, for what he did Sunday night. But like you said, uh, realistic expectations, if he can continue to put that kind of pressure on the quarterback, then that's definitely huge because now the offensive lines have to look at Cleo Mack Roy Robertson Harris, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, and Leonard Floyd on the other side. I mean, there's there's no way that they can double team all those guys, obviously, or else there's only be like one or two receivers out there on the field. And that's just not not feasible for an offense to do. Uh so he just needs to be able to let the game come to him. He doesn't have to continue to make the splash plays, but he needs to do all the small things right, uh, have a high motor, and really try and seal up his side of the ball on the runs on the run game try and get to the quarterback, obviously, in the past game. But as long as he lets the game come to him and doesn't try to be that playmaker, I think he's going to have a really good year. And then let's also add in Tristan's question. He's like, and he asked if Roy Robinson-Harris can, can keep that production up, 
How much would that improve the Bears' defensive line? What, what do you say to that, Brandon? I think it's huge because, like I said, then you're looking at three really good potential guys that could get after the quarterback at any given time. It's not always going to happen, like you said, and I don't expect it to happen every time, uh, but it really opens the door for for other opportunities, uh, a lot more stunt plays, uh, a few more A-gap blitzes, which I was kind of disappointed we didn't see more of on Sunday, speaking of which. Uh, but I think it really opens up the door for a lot of creativity because now you've got three guys on the defensive line, Cleo Mack and Leonard Floyd, that are all potentially playmakers. Yeah, no, I, I think that's going to only improve the things that are going to happen overall on that defense. Like like we've been saying, you can't double-team everybody, and then Roy Robertson-Harris, if he's able to be a guy that can be productive, makes that defense that much scarier. But to answer Jay's second question, which is a question that I guess we're all kind of wondering still, how <laughs> is Marcus Cooper on this 53-man roster, but Craven LeBlanc isn't? I, you know, in the preseason, we saw Marcus Cooper actually, I guess, provide some value because he was playing in the nickel spot. I think that's the only reason why he's here. And Vic Fangio does like bigger corners. He does. He, he values that size uh, to be able to disrupt you know, opposing receivers, but when you think about it, Marcus Cooper, when he's on the field, bad things happen. So it's strange because Craven LeBlanc, I, I've noted that he has had some struggles, but he's still produced. He had a pick six against Matthew Stafford a couple years ago. He was able to hold down his position at times, and I think it's just a better guy to have than a Marcus Cooper. And honestly, this this preseason, he didn't show me much of anything for a reason why the Bears should keep him. We're, I mean, we were both surprised by his move, were we not? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, so, yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess Fangio had more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? More faith, I guess, uh, in his inside linebackers to be able to play coverage and play more nickel than instead of dime uh, because that's really the only time, if unless Bryce Callahan gets hurt, uh, that Craven LeBlanc would really see the field. So I think Marcus Cooper mainly made it for special teams purposes. I wish they would have kept LeBlanc over mm-hmm. Cooper, obviously, because um, I think we all had him getting cut. We did. If I'm not I, mistaken. I, I hope we did. So, <laughs> I believe we did. I think it was all the Marcuses get cut, and we ended up keeping uh, Marcus Cooper here, obviously. But, yeah, when he's on the field, I mean, he's he's more of a liability than anything as far as defense goes. So I don't think we'll – unless some unfortunate reason Bryce Callahan goes down, I don't think we see Marcus Cooper much on the defensive side of the ball this year. I think it's more of a special teams thing. I hope not. We don't want to see Marcus Cooper <laughs> play valuable minutes at any point in the regular season. But moving on to our next question, it comes from our friend, Martin. Martin, here's a question. Hi, my name is Martin from Chicago. Love the show. Just wanted to ask, with Aaron Rodgers and the hurry-up offense that you ran in the second half, do you think they might have exposed the Bears' defense quite a bit? I'd like to know your thoughts. Thanks. Martin, that's a really valid question. I'm glad you brought this one up. Uh, I'm not sure that it exposes the Bears' defense uh, quite a bit because I think if Aaron Rodgers runs that offense against anybody, Jacksonville, uh, Philadelphia, uh, other top-tier defenses, Minnesota even, uh, so I'll be really interested to see actually how that matchup plays up here pretty soon. I think they do play week two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Mm -hmm. If they run the same kind of offense – I mean, it's tough for anybody to beat. You have to have overly aggressive corners to stop this short dink and dunk hurry-up offense that they had. And even then, that opens up the door for the pump fake, the double move, and the receiver to go deep, and then you're beat anyway. Uh, so I don't know that it exposes the Bears' defense quite a bit. I think every defense is vulnerable to that, uh, especially in today's game, uh, just with the way the rules are. So I don't know that 
Bears defense is exposed. I think it's more that's just the way you have to beat teams in the NFL on offense. Gotcha. And I mean, it was, you know, it was surprising to see from a Vic Fangio defense. But like you said, Brandon, Aaron Rodgers is running this offense and that. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Offense is tailored to him, and once he knows where you know the defense is set, he's going to throw the ball in you know the position of the open hole, the open you know open zone, and just get offense moving down the field. But I think it's something that the Bears can definitely work on now. Because, again, Aaron Rodgers was able to pick apart that Bears defense pretty quickly, and this was, again, on one leg. But like you said, Aaron Rodgers, I, you got to give credit to where, where credit is due, but that is definitely something that the Bears defense needs to adjust moving forward. And I'm surprised that, you know, Vic Fangio being the great defensive coordinator that he is didn't make, you know, some kind of adjustment, maybe after the first touchdown, maybe that first field goal that the Packers do get um, in that second half. They scored that field goal first, then next drive, get a touchdown. And again, it was that quick passing. Surprise, we didn't see some kind of adjustment. But again, I'd like that- to see, I'd like to see the corners come up and jam in those situations because it's something that we don't always see Prince Mukamara or Kyle Fuller do. Especially Kyle Fuller, I've noticed. I didn't pay much attention to it on Sunday, but when you just allow him to have a free release off the line, that's a quick slant all day long, and he's not going to get there. They have to be able to throw off the timing somehow if they're going to be able to run that kind of offense. So I think it definitely gives them some sort of perspective given this situation that occurs, and if it happens again throughout the season. No, I, I completely agree. We don't really see that much of that press, co- that press, you know, man coverage from the Bears DBs. And when you're running a type of offense like that, where it's quick plays, short slants, just getting open initially off the line of scrimmage, I think that's a good way of disrupting the timing. And you know, who knows what could happen when, uh, you know, a player's not in the place that Aaron Rodgers expects him to be at the timing that I expect him to be there at. So I think that's one way we can see the Bears defense improve. Again, they just got picked apart in the second half. They played a phenomenal first half, but we'll see if they can make adjustments moving along uh, for the rest of the season. And our next question comes from an unknown caller. Guys, when you get these questions, please leave your name. Yes, anonymous. But here's the question. (laughs) I have a question uh, going back to the Packers game. (laughs) I don't know why I can't move on from it. Just as as many of my friends, uh, we actually talked about it last night. Uh, and I, I wanted to ask you guys, do you think the uh, tone would be different had we, in that, in that fourth quarter, had uh, when I think it was two and a half minutes left, when it was, I believe it was third and one. Uh, but had we, we were up by three points, uh, had we just, let's say, went for it twice to try to get that, that one yard, you know, if, if we failed, if we can't get one yard off of two tries, uh, and then they march all the way down and score a touchdown on us, do you think that would uh, change the tone, kind of like, well, you know, we went down fighting, uh, you know, we tried and we just went down fighting. We went out swinging, uh, and we don't deserve to win if we can't get one yard off of two plays. Do you think the, the tone would be different than what mostly feels like we just kicked the field goal and just kind of, like, gave them the ball back and said, like, oh, well, here you go. Um, so I, was just, I, I guess I want to get you guys' opinion on that. Uh, and, uh, again, keep up the good work, and uh, they're done. So that's a great question, anonymous caller. But 
okay, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, if the Bears, you know, can't get one yard, two plays, do they even like deserve the win? And basically, you know, you're kicking a field goal there. You're just asking for Aaron Rodgers to go down the field and score. But I, I personally, I think I, I was all for them. If they were to go for it, I was all for it. Look, I knew as soon as the Bears kicked that field goal, it, it wasn't going to be enough for it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that's not going to sell for field goals. He's going to go for touchdowns. So you have an opportunity to end the game. And Jordan Howard was leading that that entire drive down the field, running the ball effectively. And if you can get one yard with him, just be creative. Spread the, spread the defense out and just hand it off to Jordan Howard. Let him make a move, make a miss. Just use those tree trunk legs that we've talked about to just get that one yard. And you, you win the game, basically. Time will eventually run out, hopefully, and you won't. And Aaron Rodgers will not have enough time to go down and score. So you would have a chance to win the game, or you obviously what the Bears did, they kicked the field goal, and then it was just it was just foreshadowing of what was to happen next. Aaron Rodgers was going to go down, score that touchdown, win the game by one point. It was just you, you let Aaron Rodgers do what he does best, and I, I don't think that was a good idea. But does it set the tone? I think it does if you're able to. You know, get that one yard, you go into Lambeau Field, you steal one. But, hey, the Bears went the other way, and it burned them. What do you think, Brandon? What, do you have a preference? Do you like the field goal, that tone setting, or what's your overall thoughts? This is just really tough because I like points, so I understand why you kicked the field goal. But given the situation, I mean, I'm looking at the this drive in general. It was, it was 14 plays uh, this drive was. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand why you kick the field goal uh, for the points. Cause I mean, I like points, uh, but given the situation, I mean, this drive itself was 14 plays uh, and 61 yards. It took six and a half minutes almost. Uh, so, I mean, it was a really solid sustained drive and you get down there. Green Bay calls their final timeout at 247 left in the game. Uh, so now you're facing a, a third and one third and two. Yeah. Third and two at Green Bay's 14. If you run the ball once that takes you down to two minutes as it is. And if you don't get it, then you run it again on fourth down and you either get the first down or you don't. But regardless, you're taking still at least 20, 30 seconds off the clock. Give Aaron Rodgers a minute 30 to go almost 90 yards. I think that that's definitely something that Nagy is going to have to look at going forward as far as different game planning situations. I understand that he wants to kick the field goal that puts him up by six and then it forces him to score a touchdown. But that's something that they they did, unfortunately. I was later score that touchdown, obviously on the next drive, which was only three plays, but I, I really think that they really should have gone for it. Uh, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, we're both in agreement there and, yeah. you know, actually our last callers also want, has a question about that specific play, that third and one, Steve, here's your question. Hey, bears brothers. This is Steve from Ogden, Utah. And my question pertains to Matt Nagy and him committing the football mortal sin of Throwing the football on third and one, uh, especially when you have Jordan Howard averaging five yards per carry. And I was just wondering, do you think this is kind of a rookie coaching mistake, something he can fix, or do you think his inner Andy Reid is showing? Thanks. Love the podcast. And, Steve, that's an interesting question because I thought the play calling on third down especially was questionable for Matt Nagy. And it was earlier in the game, too, where there was that pass back. It's a one-option route to Deion Sims where Jordan Howard on the previous two plays gets you uh, nine yards on first and second down. And all you got to do, obviously, is get one more yard to convert to chains. And then you have this play as well where it goes to, I think it was Anthony Miller over on the right side. Yeah. Um, so – 
I just think that, look, Matt or Jordan Howard is doing everything right on both of those drives I just talked about, yet Matt Nagy wants to go passing the ball. And that's a thing that even was uh, relevant in his playoff loss when they played the Titans. They wanted to, they were pass happy. And I know you allude to is this uh, just his inner Andy Reid showing? Maybe it is. I mean, Matt Nagy is known to be or supposed to be like an aggressive guy going for it and passing the ball instead of just giving it to your workhorse, Jordan Howard. I think it is a rookie coaching mistake that he's going to have to learn how to, you know, adjust to. Just give Jordan Howard the ball. I trust him more than I trust Trubisky in this, you know, new look offense, trying to get this first down against a Packers team that was already had sustained success throughout the entire second half. They were struggling. They were having a tougher time containing the run. So that's why I just give it to Jordan Howard and he hopefully gets that first down. But honestly, I think it's a rookie coaching mistake that he hopefully fixes because if he doesn't, then there's some serious issues. But Brandon, What's your thoughts on this, you know, going for it, uh, this third down one run or pass? What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, if his inner Andy Reid is showing, I'm 100% okay with that because Andy Reid's got a regular season record of 183, 120, and one, which is a 60% winning percentage. So if his inner Andy, Andy Reid's showing and this is one of those losses, then so be it. I I think that he's got the, uh, uh, the tools to be able to win in the future and that we can just accredit to a rookie coaching mistake. But even then, you would think that, was three, two, three years ago, the Seahawks, uh, Patriots Super Bowl when they they passed it on fourth and goal when Marshawn Lynch pretty much ran that Seahawks offense down the field. I mean, this is almost the same situation. Jordan Howard is taking the Bears offense on his back, running down the clock, running down the field, sixty-one yards without you know. I don't want to say with no problem, but it was it looked almost pretty easy for him. He was patient. A lot of holes opened up. He was able to get down the field. So stick with him. I mean, I, it's easily, I think, credited to a coaching mistake, but it's just too close to a, a moment in history that's eerily similar, and it ended up costing the Seahawks that Super Bowl. It ends up costing the Bears in this one. So I think even the moral of the story is, in a pass-happy league today, if you've got a running back uh, that's going to be the bell cow like that and he starts really picking up steam, keep it in the hot hands and go with the running back. I like that, Brandon, and especially because you mentioned the Seahawks and, you know, the Bears are playing the Seahawks this week right? or next week on Monday night. So there you go. It all comes full circle. But that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Thank you, everybody who submitted their questions. And if you didn't get your question heard over in tonight's podcast, well, make sure to keep sending in for the next week. And you could do that by calling 872-240-4007. And again, that number is 872-240-4007. 4007. So please submit your questions. I know Brandon and I, we would love to keep yes, on doing this throughout the rest of the season. We would love to make this a weekly staple. So keep the questions coming in. Yeah. So, I mean, it gives us another chance again in the pot. I, what, Brandon? We only see each other like, uh, what, twice a week? Yeah. Two, Through a webcam? And yeah, now, I know. Time. So we, we definitely would appreciate the questions. But great job this week, you guys. That's going to do it for tonight's episode. Make sure to tune in to tomorrow's preview show for the Seattle Seahawks and Chicago Bears matchup on Monday night. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.